You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Welcome, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. And uh, maybe I need to take some more time off from the show. <laughs> it's been five days since we've done the show, and the whole entire hot stove season happened during those five days. Pretty much. Pretty close to it. And uh, I'm sure uh, that uh, Mike Florio and uh, Nando DeFino and some other folks, uh, Fantasy Sports Radio, can attest that today's rundown is the longest rundown I've ever done. And that's really saying something. <laughs> so I will try to get through it. I will power through it. Got to talk about uh, J.D. Martinez finally finding a home. Eric Hosmer finally making up his mind. A bunch of smaller deals. The Rays doing some wacky things over the weekend. Uh, and also, I will find time in here somewhere to wrap up my series on sleepers, busts, and outliers. And uh, I'm going to bring on Nathan Dockin frequent visitor to the show to uh to help me through with that and not only just was it time to have Nathan back on the show but uh he and I definitely share a, a fondness for my top sleeper so maybe it's even his top sleeper I know he likes him a lot so uh we'll find out who that is keep the suspense going here and see what Nathan has to say about him and uh you know wrap up all three lists on this show so uh, with so much to talk about, I'm getting right to it here. J.D. Martinez has an agreement on a five-year deal with the Boston Red Sox, $110 million. I think the last time that uh, I talked about him on the show, and again, a lot's happened in five days, uh, that uh, they were discussing a five-year deal, I think somewhere in the vicinity of $100 million. The uh, Diamondbacks were talking reportedly about a, a shorter deal, but maybe one with greater per year value but uh red sox won that uh won that battle with the uh with the diamondbacks uh diamondbacks themselves filled uh, an outfield vacancy and get to that in a moment but uh, martinez had a sensational year last year both with the tigers and the diamondbacks actually even ramped up his production a bit after the trade to arizona but overall the numbers for martinez last year are 303 batting average 45 homers 104 rbi and 85 runs which is obviously extremely solid production and he did it in 119 games cuz he missed about a month and a half early on with the sprained foot ligament so pretty incredible uh go ahead and prorate those stats for a whole year um no surprise if you do that to also discover that he had a 430 Woba last year and the only player with 400 or more plate appearances to have a higher one, and it was not that much higher, was Mike Trout. So J.D. Martinez uh, did a lot to put himself into the elite ranks. Uh, but big asterisk here, uh, with the move uh, from Arizona, but even if he had stayed and, and re-signed with Arizona, there'd be big questions about whether or not Martinez can repeat that those great stats from 2017 because uh, if, if it wasn't Arizona, obviously there'd be the humidor, but now moving to Fenway Park, not a, a great home run park. 
and maybe Martinez will become a little bit more of a doubles hitter. But um, just to give you an idea of the potential risk here in banking on Martinez repeating last season's stats, the last two seasons, which the bulk of which were spent with the Tigers, but roughly half of last year spent with the Diamondbacks, for those two seasons combined, 2016-2017, at his home parks, Comerica Park and then Chase Field, he had a 468 WOBA. That's, uh, I, I, you know, I don't know how that would stack up, but I, I would assume, I don't know this for 100% for sure, but if that had been his overall WOBA for the last two years, I would guess that would be the highest. Uh, that is outrageous. A 468 home WOBA for the last two seasons. On the road, and I have to admit, I was very, very surprised by this. I, I knew that he had some somewhat lopsided splits. On the road, the last two seasons combined, 345 WOBA, which is just nearly really good, but not great, not elite, far from it. So a big, big split in home versus road production, just looking at WOBA, which is a good catch-all offensive stat. So that makes me worry for him going to Fenway Park, which is not, uh, you know, it's not Yankee Stadium. It's not pre-Humidor Chase Field. It's not Gorgeous Field in terms of overall offensive production. And I think some of these home road splits probably are just maybe that Martinez is just, he gets in the comfort zone at home. So I wouldn't say, you know, 345 road Woba, that should be your expectation going forward. I, you know, I imagine probably it's just, you know, he likes the home cooking. But some of it probably is park factors. And if you're thinking, well, what about Comerica Park? He spent the bulk of the last two years there. Why would he have such a great home Woba there? Well, remember last week, if you listened, if you didn't listen, go back to iTunes or Audio Boom or wherever you, you listen to the show. Go back and find that episode with Mike Petriello from MLB.com because we broke down the whole park factor thing with Comerica Park, which I have to admit, even after talking to Mike, who is probably the best person anywhere to talk to about this, this kind of thing. I'm still confused, but the thing that's irrefutable is that Comerica park over the last 10 seasons, but particularly last year provided one of the greatest home field advantages for hitters. Now it didn't really translate to pitchers. It didn't completely trans translate into park factors, which would cover both the home and the visiting teams there. But that, in a way, that's not even relevant for J.D. Martinez because he was on the home team at Comerica Park. He got the benefit of that um, home field advantage there, which uh, was the fifth highest over the last 10 years. And again, last year or two, even more so, more more uh, clear, uh, just a, a strong, strong home field advantage. Uh, so that makes me worry about these splits, that there's something to them. So I did drop... Martinez, just one spot. I dropped him behind Aaron Judge in my outfield ranking. So instead of ranking seventh among outfielders, he now ranks eighth. And I had a real dilemma about whether to drop him to ninth because right now sitting in ninth is George Springer. So I put this question to Twitter. And I mean, I made my own decision. I decided not to drop J.D. Martinez behind George Springer. But by a slim margin... George, uh, the, the, the Twitter respondents disagreed with me. George Springer won this poll one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. Which outfielder would you rather draft for Roto this season? J.D. Martinez or George Springer? 53 to 47% George Springer. People preferred George Springer. 
And this is sort of odd because Springer actually had a pretty big margin in this poll early on. And I mean, I'm not talking about, you know, 10 or 20 votes in with a small sample. Uh, there was a good amount of the vote in and Springer had a pretty good lead. I think he was up like to 57 percent or somewhere around there. And the late vote, the late precincts came in and made it a made it a contest. I'm not sure why. Probably just randomness. But anyhow, so it's, it's you know, clearly 53 to 47 percent. That's a pretty close vote. Uh, and that that sort of sums up the way that I feel about those two outfielders. It's it's almost a toss up who to rank ahead, uh, Martinez or Springer. I'm going to give Martinez again some benefit of the doubt and say that some of that those home splits are going to follow him to Fenway Park. He's going to be able to hit in three really good parks frequently in that division. And of course, I'm talking about Camden Yards, Rogers Field, Rogers Center, excuse me, and Yankee Stadium. So. You know, I think that that will certainly help J.D. Martinez. I have him just by a hair over George Springer. Uh, and I do expect that Springer will probably regress just a tiny bit this year after a, a big jump in value last year. So that's what I got on J.D. Martinez for right now. Like I said, a lot more to get to. Eric Hosmer, uh, the other big signing, both in terms of fantasy impact and in terms of just sheer dollars. Uh, in fact, a bigger deal for Hosmer than for Martinez. He signs with the Padres. It's really been back and forth between the Padres and the Royals. Sort of seemed like the Padres had been front runners all along. But uh, the Padres got it for eight years, $144 million. And Hosmer now becomes the Padres' regular first baseman with Will Myers moving back to the outfield. He'll play right field. And according to MLB.com, Jose Perella is the front runner. He's expected to get the bulk of the playing time in left field. Although he's also in the mix at second base, which then could open up left field, I would think most likely for Hunter Renfro. But as of right now, it would look like Renfro's ticketed maybe back to AAA, maybe a bench roll, maybe a trade. And of course, uh, Franchi Cordero, uh, I would have to think will be in that mix, if not on opening day. Uh, I certainly hope he is, because to me, he's one of the most exciting late round flyer types. Uh, in terms of just massive power potential. But at least to start the season right now, I think you can look at Jose Perella getting most of the starts there in left field, and that uh, helps his value a little bit. I've been sort of uncertain about drafting him because of the numbers game there, because of the Hosmer rumors, which is now a Hosmer reality. Uh, but now you can rest a little easier that uh, if you like Jose Perella, uh, he should get some playing time. Now, I alluded earlier to the fact that the Diamondbacks, yes, they lose J.D. Martinez, but they filled uh, a potential vacancy in the outfield there, and not with Yasmani Tomas, but they went out and signed Gerard Dyson. Two years, $7.5 million. So, you know, just a cool $102.5 million less than J.D. Martinez is going to cost the Red Sox. And he had uh, 28 steals with the uh, Mariners last year, Gerard Dyson. And that's really where you're looking for value with Dyson. Stolen bases. Uh, he has the potential to, to hit for a decent average. I don't think he's likely to hit for a very high average. Uh, but, um, you know, there's the potential there for him to at least not hurt you in batting average. But what you really want Gerard Dyson for, obviously, is stolen bases. You're hoping for some playing time. Looks like he'll get that there with the Diamondbacks. You certainly don't have to worry about the humidor with Dyson. Although he did hit a career-high five home runs last year with Seattle. But here's a, a, another thing on top of 
the fact that Dyson now once again becomes a pretty reliable uh, source of stolen bases can probably count on him for, even though they got 28 last year, could probably count on 30-plus uh, for Dyson this year. But for five straight years, he has accumulated at least 1.8 F war, Fangraph's war. So he's basically been uh, at or about a two, being a two-win player or more for each of the last five seasons. And given that there's not a ton of offense there, other than I said, a decent batting average and some stolen bases, you know he's getting a lot of that value from defense. So first of all, you got the Humidor in Arizona, and now you got Gerard Dyson in center field. I mean, that's that's pretty cool. Um, and actually, I say center field. I actually shouldn't make that assumption. Uh, could be A.J. Pollock, but... Um, the point is, you're going to have a pretty nice outfield there in Arizona. Uh, certainly a, a big upgrade over Yasmani Tomas to, to say that doesn't even need, need to be said. So pitchers like Robbie Ray, Taiwan Walker, uh, I think those two in particular get a very big bump in, in value. I don't think anybody is certainly hurt. I think you know, Patrick Corbin gains a little bit of value, Zay Granke a little bit, uh, Zach Godley a little bit. But Walker and Ray in particular, I think get a big bump from the humidor and now they're going to get a Jared Dyson bump in value. So that's pretty nice. Uh, Also in uh, some player movement news, the Rays doing some pretty puzzling things this weekend. They DFA'd Corey Dickerson. And the reason they did that was so that they could uh, pick up CJ Crone from the angels so while everybody on, on Twitter was howling about how ridiculous it is for the Rays to DFA Corey Dickerson, it's, it's, it's hard to argue against that, to be honest. But from a, a, just a completely selfish fantasy perspective, you figure Dickerson's going to find his playing time. There's already been rumors about him maybe going to the Braves. I think some other teams have been mentioned too. But C.J. Crone now gets into a much, much better playing time situation. And I, for one, am very interested in that. Because in the second half last year, he went all pole heavy, and he had 14 homers and 240 plate appearances after the All-Star break. How about that? A, a potential for a 30-homer C.J. Crone. Potential. I want to just highlight that word because uh, that's just you know half a season, a little less than half a season, actually. And who knows if he's going to continue to be so pole heavy, if it's going to have the same results for him. And he didn't pay a, a big price in batting average, or maybe no price in batting average either. He batted 267 in the second half. So I'm really interested now in CJ Crone as a late rounder, 14, 15 teamer kind of first baseman. Uh, he, he becomes relevant now. And then the other part of this is that the Rays traded Jake Odorizzi to the Twins. So the Twins, in, in a big hurry, solving their starting rotation problem. And uh, all they had to give up was shortstop prospect Jermaine Palacios. Odorizzi, I've talked about him in detail uh, because he had a, a very odd 2017 season. 414 ERA with the Rays. Uh, not very good control. Pitched in the zone only 40% of the time. Had a walk rate in excess of 10%, which is not good. Had a home run per nine ratio of 1.9, which is really not good. So uh, a lot of things that look uh, not so good for Jake Odorizzi last year. But then on the positive, and I'm not sure how you match all these things up. 
His average exit velocity on balls hit off of him went way down from 89.3 miles an hour to 87.2. So hitters were elevating the ball more against him, but hitting, hitting it with less gusto. So he's an intriguing player. Maybe he is undervalued with the, the spike in the ERA and the home runs. And then also the Twins going out and snapping up Anibal Sanchez for the rotation. So I'll talk more about that later because I got a head to break. Got as much into that segment as I could, but when we come back, Nathan Dockett will be here, and we will wrap up the sleepers, busts, and outliers. So stick around. We'll be right back. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. And as promised, join me for this entire segment uh, from Fantrax and also from the Nasty Cast, uh, Nathan Dockin. Nathan, thanks uh, for coming back on the show. Hey, thanks for having me back, Al. It's good to talk again. Uh, it is, it is. And uh, there's a happy coincidence because I was going to uh, unveil my top sleepers on the show. We are going to do that. And my number one sleeper is somebody you just recently wrote about and had a whole bunch of good stuff to, to say about somebody. In fact, to, to be really honest, Nathan, when I read that that piece, and uh, this is the uh, course correction piece that you wrote for Fantrax, and you basically made all the points I was going to make. <laughs> so by asking you on, I'm basically just being lazy and say, okay, Nathan, you, you, you make the case. <laughs> So uh, be- before we do dig into that, um, and I'm going to unveil the top two sleepers, top two busts uh, on my uh, top ten list that I've been counting down the last couple weeks, and also uh, the last few outliers, uh, some players I'm going to be tracking all season long to see if they can continue to do weird and inexplicable things statistically. Um, besides the number one sleeper on my list, the, who I'm going to keep a mystery for the next couple minutes, uh, is there anybody else that you've just been dying to tout as a sleeper for this year? Uh, well, there's several. Now I'm I'm rolling through my uh, dudes and don'ts list, which is just my personal little name for sleepers and busts. And I worked through catcher and first base now, and that should be up on Fantax soon. But uh, I think it's a guy who you're in on as well. Jose Martinez is a guy who I'm just in love with at uh, first base in St. Louis this year. Uh, what he showed in a small sample last year um, was just so much goodness. <laughs> he finally started to hit for power. He got lofted in the ball, and he throughout the minor leagues, he had always been someone who had got on base well, and uh, he controlled the strike zone really well, had over 80% contact, and uh, just everything in his profile is glorious, and he's really, really cheap right now. And the only thing that's keeping his value down is potential playing time, but I think that that's going to be there. 
Um, hopefully, you know, Matt Carpenter doesn't get pushed over to first base and he's healthy enough uh, to stay over at third, but there's always, already been uh, some rumblings of some injury with him, so I'll we'll have to monitor that. We will, definitely. That's, a, a, yeah, definitely an important thing to watch for a, a lot of players playing time. And, yeah, Martinez is number six on my list, so uh, that's, uh, yeah, we're definitely in, in agreement there. So uh, I, I do want to get to that, but uh, since we're, we're talking fan tracks here, I just want to remind everybody that they can create the ultimate dynasty keeper or redraft fantasy league using Fantrax's free commissioner product. Find out how it feels to have the deepest player pool, multi-team trades, plus player salary and contract options right at your fingertips, all of which are fully customizable. With Fantrax Treasurer, you can set league entry fees and safely distribute payouts without a third party so that you don't have to go and track down owners for payment. And the best part of all, there's no break in the action. Once the regular season ends, Fantrax leagues are immediately open for next season. So find out for yourself why Fantrax is the home of fantasy sports. Check out Fantrax.com today. In fact, they just rolled out a, uh, a new design for the, uh, the blog section just uh, earlier today, definitely go check it out. And go uh, check out the league. Sign up for a league. And when you do, at sign up at the very bottom, there's a little space for the promo code. I'm going to give you uh, a promo code that's going to give you a chance at a, at a cool uh, gift you can win. The code, listen carefully, it's AL. A-L. That's all. <laughs> Enter AL as a promo code at sign up for a chance to win 10 private consultations with me Uh uh, this is something that I sell on my blog, almelkier.com. Uh, it's a $109 package. You could win a 10 consultation package for free. Just enter promo code AL, A-L, at sign up on Fantrax.com. Okay, uh, Nathan, let's get to it. I'm just going to really quickly run down uh, the top 10 through number three because that's as far as I've gotten on this show. Uh, and also, I just want to make a distinction that these are sleepers mm-hmm. just that I like for value. Uh, some are more deeply guys, particularly at the bottom of the list. You'll figure it out. Number 10 is Adam Frazier. Number nine, Robert Stevenson. Number eight, Kendris Morales. Number seven, Ryan McMahon. Number six, the aforementioned Jose Martinez. Number five, Todd Frazier. Second Frazier on the list. Number four, Justin Bohr. And number three, Dexter Fowler. So my number two sleeper is Michael Waka, who uh, is going 237th. On average, in NFBC drafts, that makes him the 90th pitcher overall. And what flags him for me is that he had one of the largest, actually the third largest increase in average fastball fastball velocity last year among qualified pitchers. Only Tyler Chatwood and Chase Anderson had bigger jumps in velocity. And Waka also had a big jump, not surprisingly, in his strikeout rate. So... um, What's your what's your thought Nathan, about Michael Waka, ninetieth uh, pitcher overall? I mean, that just strikes me as incredible value. Right. Yeah, and that's how I determine a lot of uh, my do's and don'ts as well as just the value that you're getting with these guys. And he is just so so cheap that it's really hard to go wrong down here. I mean, you're um, you're looking at Alex Reyes sort of in the same area. If I'm looking at um, the Fantrax average draft position, um, Alex Cobb. You know, both of those guys are huge question marks right now. I'd much rather have Michael Waka. And another guy going sort of in that same range that I wrote about on Fantrax as well and that I'm really high on, especially with the addition of the humidor, is Patrick Corbin going a few picks later than, than Michael Waka. I've, I was in on him actually before, um, you know, the humidor news finally came out for sure. And, you know, you mentioned with uh, the dry dice and defense as well, that's just another feather in his cap. 
to make me like him even more. And so these guys, I mean, it's hard to hate on these guys with the price <laughs> tag that they have. Yeah, I hope that it just doesn't ruin it for the rest of us with, with Corbin. <laughs> That's the thing I worry about with him. But uh, mm. right now, I have to agree, absolutely a great value. Uh, and the other thing, too, with Waka, just to keep in mind, is that I think part of the reason maybe his value is depressed is he's not that people maybe think of this specifically, but that the numbers have been worse because of high BABIPs the last two years. 334 in 2016, 327 last year. And yet, uh, if you look at X stats, uh, at their projection, or you look at um, uh, just you know what he's what's happened to him on batted balls, it doesn't make any sense. So I think... Forget, put the velocity of the strikeout rate aside. Uh, he, to me, just looks like a natural positive regression candidate, uh, Waka does. So uh, a lot that that's why it puts, puts him very high on my list. I think there's just a lot of reasons <laughs> to find value there. Uh, all right, number one, big number one sleeper for me. Uh, Nathan, I want you to do the honors here. Who is he? Ketel <laughs> <laughs> Marte. He is the man of yes! the hour. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I don't I... remember. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say I um, we're we're in agreement on a lot of these sleepers on on your list, and I definitely feel like I was uh, on the right track when you told me that he was your number one guy. <laughs> so uh, I'm I'm glad that we can come on and just uh, gush about Kettle Marte for a while. That's the plan. That's absolutely the plan here. <laughs> uh, I've been waiting. I've been waiting. I've been doing this countdown for two weeks. I've been waiting to to you know do this. So uh, uh, your piece. Uh, you know, you, you point out a lot of things that I did in terms of uh, the, the plate discipline improved dramatically last year, uh, a bit more power last year, just basically everything improved, but it just didn't show up in the stat line. So nobody's or I shouldn't say nobody, but very few people, I think, are really seeing him as a standout at, at a position where there aren't very many standouts. And so I just think that that creates a lot of value for Marte. I'm trying to remember uh, you. Oh, I think you made a comparison with Andrelton Simmons. Was that right? Um, yeah. Well, him and just uh, sort of a, a bunch of other cheap middle infielders uh, that are going uh, substantially earlier than Kettle Marte. I think you can get similar production from Marte, you know, at a much, much cheaper price than like an Andrelton Simmons. Yeah. And, you know, that's the whole thing is you might look and say, OK, well, this is a guy who really he's got pretty average power at best. Um, you know, even with the improvements last year, skill wise, he doesn't maybe stand out. But it's just half of it is the improvement that Marte made. The other half of it is just at shortstop. It doesn't take a lot to rise up. And I think, as, as you just put it, he's right in the mix there with a bunch of, you know, maybe third tier uh, shortstop eligible uh, players. Uh, and yet he's not being, being regarded as, as such. So you could just wait and wait and wait and get uh, Cattell Marte. But in terms of a, a Roto League where you're looking to you know fill middle infield, in terms of, of a skill profile, and I, and I, I want to be really clear, I'm not at all saying that I expect Cattell Marte to produce on the, lev- on the level of the player I'm about to compare him with, but there are quite a lot of similarities with Whit Merrifield. They have, last year they registered the Saint, same, Sprint speed, 28.9 feet per second, which is very high. Didn't show up in terms of stolen bases as much for Marte. Merrifield had more more power, and now you got the humidor to worry about with Marte. And in terms of the average distance that they hit the ball uh, for, for balls that were launched 10 degrees or higher, very similar. So not that much that, that could potentially separate Whit Merrifield from Cattell Marte. 
So I would go a step further and say Mark is not just somebody who's one of a bunch of kind of middle-tier shortstops, but among that group, he might have the most potential. Right, and it's it's important to remember that it's potential too. And one thing that I mentioned in the in the article is that you know he's he's sort of uh, he's put more balls in the air and he is hitting for more power, but that's going from almost nothing to something. You know, he's, he's <laughs> right. not the next JD Martinez. You're not looking at a huge power source, uh, 25 home runs from him all of a sudden. You're looking at probably mid-teens home runs, and you know, like I mentioned with the uh, with Patrick Corbin, the humidor being a good thing for him. This is something that could potentially really hurt Kettle Marte. But he did, you know, you mentioned the foot speed too. That's that's there. The stolen base uh, ability is there. He just has to continue to get on base and, um, you know, you utilize it and start to get a little bit more aggressive. And I think that's something that we can see a lot more of this year. And he's probably going to be limited at the beginning of the season as far as runs in RBI if he's stuck at the bottom of the order. But, you know, we've seen how brittle that uh, A.J. Pollock can be. And so I do think that there's an opportunity that he does move up to the top of that lineup and start scoring a ton of runs, especially if the plate discipline gains that we saw in the second half of last year are able to stick. Absolutely. And, I mean, he had a pretty nice on-base percentage of 345. Uh, if you translate that over in terms of uh, X stats and the expected uh, on-base percentage, which, again, is – is not really built up in terms of a higher expectation of walks, but a higher expectation of, of a batting average. Uh, his expected uh, OBP was 384 last year. So yeah. uh, that would play well in the leadoff spot for sure. And I'm going to just toss out one more geeky uh, X stat. Uh, I had uh, Andrew Perpetua on the show um, last week to go into more t- detail about X stats and how it works. And he talked about one of his stats he calls outs. And, uh, you know, basically it's just taking, you know, the hard hit balls and subtracting uh, out the, 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 the softest hit balls. And, um, you know, uh, you also factor in, you know, strikeouts in there. So I'm not going to go through the whole thing. But basically, if you just look at, at balls in play and you're looking at a ratio of really well hit balls versus really poorly hit balls on line drives, there were only four players last year who had a better outs ratio than Marte. And they're pretty good hitters. Giancarlo Stanton, Eddie Rosario, Evan Gaddis, and okay, Jack Peterson isn't everybody's favorite, but he certainly has power. <laughs> Those four were the only ones who hit with authority more consistently on line drives than, than Marte did. That's pretty cool. So, all right, enough. I think we did enough gushing. <laughs> are you sure? This is an action-packed show, my God. We're, and we are actually rapidly running out of time here, so... Um, all right, let's get to the bust list. Uh, Ten was uh, Manny Margot. Nine was Paul DeYoung. Eight was Trevor Bauer. Seven, Mike Zanino. Six, Roberto Ozuna. Number five, Travis Shaw. Number four, Gio Gonzalez. Number three, Tommy Pham. And the interest of time, I'm going to just bundle up number two and number one. My number two bust is Jose Quintana. He was on my bust list last year, too, so now it just looks like I hate him. And my number one bust is Marcelo Ozuna. So uh, how do you feel about those two in terms of their, their current value? Uh, well, I've long been a Jose Quintana fan, so you're not going to, uh, you know, make me hate on him at all. I don't know that, <laughs> I don't know that his price is too, too high. Um, but, uh, Marcelo Zuna, I can definitely get behind that one. Uh, we were, uh, recently on the Nasty Cast previewing outfield and he was one of them that we talked about fairly in depth and I'm just not interested in him in that, at that price. I do think that last year was kind of the monster year and, 
pretty much all the projections have him going back to around 30 home runs and, you know, maybe 95, 100 RBI. But at that point in the draft, I'm looking for speed. And Marcelo Zuna just doesn't provide that. If you look at, you know, guys going around him, some Andrew Benintendi action, a little bit later, Starling Marte, uh, you know, A.J. Pollock, Byron Bucks. And I think I'd be more interested in those types. I'm really focusing on speed in the early rounds this year. And uh, Osuna, yeah, in, in addition to a step back that I see this year, I definitely, uh, you know, he doesn't give you the speed that I'm looking for. Yeah, that'll definitely. So it just makes him more reliant to replicate those power and run production numbers. And, and you know, I'm not alone. You're not alone in being skeptical. But despite that, uh, he is going earlier, uh, I think far earlier than he should be. And for Quintana, just real quickly here, uh, he's going 19th overall against uh, among starters. I get it. It's the pickings are are tough. Everybody's at least a little bit flawed beyond the top 10 or 12. But I just don't buy the big strikeout uh, surge that he had last year. Because when you look at what supports it in terms of swinging strikes, uh, freezing batters, foul balls, it wasn't really substantially different than what he had before. So he's going to be reliant on on you know kind of finessing his value. And I'm not. I'm just not that confident that. That's who I want, uh, you know, first guy after the top 18 starters are off the board. So for whatever that's worth. And then uh, my outliers list, Jake Odorizzi, Wade Miley, Javier Baez, Didi Gregorius, Jorge Polanco, Miguel Castro. And then the top four, I haven't revealed any of these yet, I don't think, but Tim Beckham and Trey Mancini, both uh, both Orioles and both players that uh, get a lot of ground ball hits despite not having great speed or doing other things in terms of batted ball profile that would suggest that. And then the last two, Brandon McCarthy and Andrew Kashner, two, two of the top four pitchers last year in limiting fly ball distance. And I just think that can go a long way for both of them. And, and Kashner in particular is getting trashed, getting signed by the Orioles. Am I on Kashner Island here? <laughs> You're definitely his number one fan. I think we've established that. Uh, <laughs> We did, we need to get you a t-shirt or something for Andrew Kashner. Uh, I just, you know, I, I see your points about this, the soft contact, and it's just hard for me to get interested in anything, even AL-only leagues. Um, I think I would rather just go with a, a ratio, a high strikeout middle reliever than, you know, worrying about Kashner giving up three home runs in a start and just destroying me in a given week. <laughs> well, that's a good point. And that's a good alternative too, in terms of going with uh, the, the good middle relievers. I like that. So, well, Nathan, thank you for uh, working with me on this and getting the studded warp speed. Uh, just uh, <laughs> thanks for taking the time today. I appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me on now. All right. Take care, Nathan. All right, folks, we'll stick around. Lots more news to get to. We'll all be on the other side of this break. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go.
Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. And want to thank uh, Nathan Dockin. Didn't really have a good chance to uh, appropriately thank him at the end of that segment because we crammed so much information in there. So hopefully it uh, it's for the better that we gave you information overload in that last segment. But uh, thanks to Nathan. Uh, and check out his stuff on Fantrax, and also check out the Nasty Cast. It is good uh, podcasting goodness. Uh, all right. Well, uh, lots more news uh, than could fit in the first segment. So we you know, covered the big stories here. Uh, J.D. Martinez, Eric Hosmer, uh, the Rays coming and going, comings and goings, but uh, a lot more to get to. Uh, but first, uh, just a quick moment here to tell you that Fantasy Factor is the perfectly or is the perfect daily fantasy site for the casual recreational player. Flatter prize pools, smaller fields, and single-entry contests only. Fantasy Factor runs NHL and NBA free rolls every week with free entry. So just simply sign up and enter. Go to www.fantasyfactor.com. Let's see. So something that uh, just broke moments uh, before the uh, the show started that uh, the angels are lowering their right field wall for this season not next year this season so uh that may really should i think provide a little bit of a boost i think most notably for cole calhoun who i have to admit when i i saw this news and i looked at his bat ball profile he he uh pulls a little bit more than i realized he's not extreme in that regard but he's kind of pole leaning so that should help him should help uh, Luis Valbuena, who's got some good power, and with CJ Crone gone, uh, has a better shot at playing time. And of course, the other uh, player there, and not the the first base, but the DH mix, Shohei Otani. So a plus for him offensively, a minus perhaps for him uh, pitching wise. So interesting development there. Uh, Diamondbacks going all pitcher friendly, and the Angels in that pitcher friendly stadium making it a little bit more homer friendly. So that's a really interesting development. Uh, right before we went to break after the first segment, and I was running down some of the bigger stories and talked about the Twins adding some pitching. They got Jake Odorizzi from the Rays. And just very quickly offhandedly mentioned that uh, they also signed Anibal Sanchez. That's just a one-year deal for $2.5 million. Uh, that, according to, to uh, FanRex Sports' John Heyman. And last year, Sanchez uh, just really... Uh, for the most part, a miserable season, a 6.41 ERA, gave up 2.2 home runs every nine innings. But lost in all that, and it's amazing how many of these pitchers with these really high ERAs, I've talked about Wade Miley, I've talked about Mike Fires in this regard. Even Anibal Sanchez had his his moments last year. And uh, around mid-season-ish, I want to say July, maybe early parts of August, he wasn't great, but he was clearly improving. Then had a series of bad starts, but the way he finished the season, I'm sure this certainly helped him find work in Minnesota. His last four starts, he got 31 strikeouts in just 23 innings and posted a 2.74 ERA. And in getting all those strikeouts, or certainly aiding that high strikeout rate, a 15% whiff rate for Anibal Sanchez over that four starts. Yes, I know. It's the second half of September. The level of competition, almost certainly not as great. It's a it's a small sample, no matter where you would stick that four-game stretch in the 2017 season. But it's such a just a dramatic improvement from what he did over the bulk of last year. 
it makes Sanchez a little bit interesting. Maybe can't go any more, can't go any further with that, but uh, it makes him interesting to say to say the least. Uh, other pitching signings: Chris Tillman joining uh, the aforementioned Andrew Kashner in the Orioles uh, rotation. So Tillman returning to Baltimore on a one-year deal, major league deal worth $3 million. That was initially reported by Masson.com. And he uh, had a, a season where, you know, if Anibal Sanchez said, I had a rough 2017, Chris Tillman says, hold my beer. He had a 7.84 ERA. Dealt with some shoulder issues early on in the season, some uh, bursitis. I don't know if that bothered him all year long. I don't know if that's a reason or not, but Tillman had been very consistent, if not ever really a standout in terms of strikeouts or ERA, but ate a lot of innings, gave you you know decent results for, for fantasy more often than not. But last year, uh, certainly a, a break from that pattern of consistency. And also... Buried pretty deep in that Masson report on Tillman was a bit of information about the fifth spot because now they, there's clearly four takers for the, those first four spots in the rotation. I mean, you already had Kevin Gosman and Dylan Bundy returning from last year. Now you've got Tillman returning, and as just mentioned before, you've got Andrew Kashner signing on as a free agent. So there's your one through four. But according to Masson.com, Rule 5 pick Nestor Cortez, who was picked out of the Yankee system, he's a contender for that spot. And it would appear he might have an edge because he's a lefty. That's an all-righty rotation as it stands right now. So you might have a Rule 5 guy in the Orioles rotation. At least it's a possibility. And it put up some nice numbers last year in both uh, AA and AAA for the Yankees. Uh, I tell you, this is how much news that we've had uh, that this is coming this late in the program. But we have some Jake Garrietta news. He is having a dialogue with the Phillies, according to John Heyman. And there is still some discrepancy. They're not really close. Uh, the Phillies are, at this point are only willing to go to three years on a deal for Arietta. Clearly, he wants more. But uh, at least they're they're having a discussion. And the Phillies have been in that mix for a while now in the Jake Arietta sweepstakes. And he's... You know, part of a dwindling number of big names that are out there now uh, after the last few days of, of signings. Uh, another player off of the free agent market, Eduardo Nunez. He is uh, on with the Red Sox on a one-year deal worth $4 million with a 2019 team option. He'll fill in at second base while Dustin Pedroia is recovering from knee surgery. So at least for the first month plus of the season, Eduardo Nunez should get regular playing time. Then, uh, you know, it's going to be sketchier. Uh, he'll fill a utility role, most likely, which he's done for much of his career. The question is just, will he play enough to give you those stolen bases that you need? And also to, to make that batting average matter, because he, he should hit for a nice average. Last year, he hit 313, did have 12 home runs and 24 steals uh, for the Giants and, and Red Sox combined. So Nunez... Uh, yeah, given the situation, not really great for his value because of the uncertainty of his role once Pedroia comes back. But at least initially, he'll be he'll be great for steals. Absolutely. Uh, also, according to the Boston Herald, because now that Nunez is on the roster, that one of either Brock Holt or Blake Swihart uh, may not make the roster. And Swihart is out of options. I don't know about Holt, but Swihart's out of out of options. 
So there's uh, some collateral impact there from that Eduardo Nunez signing. And this is how long it's been since the show's been on that I had not reported this as a final deal. But Jason Vargas is a Met now, or a Met again. Uh, He was uh, uh, signed for two years at $16 million. Uh, Got 18 wins last year. Had a fantastic first couple of months of the season. And that went a long way towards boosting that uh, win total. 18-11 was his final record at a 416 ERA, a 133 whip with the Royals. Not necessarily a good move for him going to City Field because as a lefty, you would expect that he'll face lots of righties. And, um, you know, Vargas has pitched in a lot of favorable parks, but away from his home parks over his career, he's allowed 1.3 home runs per nine innings, only 0.9 per nine innings in his various home parks. This is going to be one of his tougher home parks. And yeah, he was a Met years ago, but didn't pitch a lot then. Uh, so this, uh, you know, it's not really a great uh, move, I think, for Vargas's uh, fancy value. Also in Mets news, much uh, better news from a fantasy perspective, Michael Conforto is now hitting off a tee, and he thinks he can be back by, by May 1st, according to the New York Post. So we shall see. But that's very, very good news, uh, at least in a tentative way, that Conforto is making progress and hitting off of a tee. Another pitching signing, one year for uh, Jaime Garcia in a major league deal with the Toronto Blue Jays. That deal's worth $8 million. And uh, that move is also going to send Joe Biagini back to the bullpen because he had been a projected starter prior to the signing for the Blue Jays. Really sort of hard to read Garcia's value going into this year. I mean, it's he's going to be a late rounder at best fantasy-wise, but he did see his strikeout rate spike during that uh, brief stint with the Yankees last year. So whether or not that translates into something more with the Blue Jays, uh, time will tell. Gerardo Parra had surgery to remove a broken hammock bone in his right hand. He hopes to be back within three weeks, though. Typical recovery time is actually four to six weeks for Para, so so bad news for him. This may not uh, affect, however, the whole uh, Ian Desmond, Ryan McMahon uh, battle at first base or, or where uh, Desmond may you know go to left field. But uh, this could uh, open up some playing time early on for David Dahl. So if you're interested in Dahl, again, it might be a sort of a limited shelf life for him if uh, Parra comes back as quickly as he hopes, but definitely something to monitor for both Parra and for Dahl. And a few more uh, moves still to look at. Like I said, there's a lot of them from the last few days, Uh, but just going to take a quick breather here. Uh, LeBron James is a four-time NBA MVP. Mike Trout's a two-time AL MVP. But uh, even if you never become a, a sports MVP, you can still be an MVP of your own because you can save somebody's life by going to DKMS.org today. You can learn what you can do to help six out of every 10 patients will not receive a bone marrow transplant. We want to change that. And it all starts with you at DKMS.org. You can register to become a bone marrow donor, and it only takes one minute. You can sign up online and DKMS will send you a swab kit. You swab your cheeks, you send it back to DKMS. That's it. It's that easy. So go and check out dkms.org slash FNTSY and join the more than 950,000 others that have signed up to become bone marrow donors. 
All right, well, let's uh, get through the rest of this news. Uh, we got the the big items taken care of, but a, a few uh, lower key ones still to be aware of. Joe Musgrove missed pitching live batting practice on Sunday due to shoulder discomfort. That initial report came from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Uh, the team and, and Musgrove uh, both basically didn't make a whole lot of it. Um, but this is, you know, this to me is concerning. And, and maybe to a lot of fantasy owners, this is not even a footnote. But going into this season, Musgrove for me was the starting pitcher that I like the best for head-to-head formats in terms of relief-eligible starting pitchers, or more succinctly, what we call sparps. Uh, I just, I, I really was impressed by what he did during his time in the bullpen with the uh, the Astros late last season. And uh, just thought that some of those improvements that he made could carry over back in, in the move to the rotation. And, and that all could still very well be the case. But now that we just know that there's a shoulder problem, you know, maybe he's fine this spring. Maybe he wins that rotation spot as expected with the Pirates. But who knows? You know, maybe now there's that thought, in my mind at least, down the line, is Joe Musgrove going to be healthy all year? Is he going to be at 100%? So I still like him. He was, in fact, included in a piece that just went live today on fan tracks of my top 10 closers. Or I'm saying top 10 closers, my top 10 sleepers. And it's not consistent with my sleepers list that I've unveiled on this show because this is just late round sleepers for standard mixed leagues. So it's a little bit more targeted and specific. But Musgrove's on there because, uh, like I said, especially in head-to-head formats where you can get starter innings in a relief slot, I still do like him. I'm just a little bit more cautious. Still great value, though. I mean, he's way, way outside the top 300 in in ADP. Uh, A few other signings. Chris Young has a one-year deal with the Angels. Angels been busy. Uh, He will fill his customary platoon role, I would assume, uh, with the Angels, playing pretty regularly against lefties. So uh, should continue to be a good uh, DFS option and a good uh, streaming option in uh, daily lineup leagues. And then the Angels made another move. Uh, I don't know that I would exactly say there was a hole to fill there at first base because there was overload. But they did uh, at least get someone else in that mix, and that is Chris Carter, who they signed on a minor league deal. Edson Volquez has a two-year minor league deal with the Texas Rangers. I don't think we should expect many, if any, innings from Volquez this year as he's recovering from Tommy John surgery. uh, But... Uh, you know, the, they're thinking, uh, apparently the Rangers are thinking ahead to uh, the 2018, or I'm sorry, 2019. <laughs> it's middle of February, and I'm still uh, getting used to the new year here. Uh, so thinking ahead to 2019. And that's a team that does still you know need to be concerned about pitching depth, both in the long and the short term. So perhaps a, a good move there. And Tim Lincecum, been talking about the showcase that was scheduled for him. Uh, he had that last week. There were representatives there from 17 teams. And according to Yahoo Sports' Jeff Passan, let's come was throwing between 91, 93 miles an hour on his fastball. And apparently was sufficiently impressive that he's already been offered a guaranteed major league deal from one team, a mystery team. But uh, that's uh, that's obviously a good showcase there <laughs> for Tim Lincecum. So anyhow... Did it. Got through all the news. Wasn't sure I was going to. (laughs) So uh, anyway, uh, I appreciate you tuning in. 
taking uh, an hour to, uh, out of your time to uh, catch up on all these uh, reports with me for listening to uh, Nathan Dockin and myself, Wax Rhapsodic over uh, <laughs> over Cattell Marte. I'm sure that won't be the last of it, at least from my end. But anyway, so I hope you enjoyed it, and I will be back tomorrow, 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern, New Pacific. And I uh, hope you have a great day, and uh, spring training games just a few days away. <laughs>